And you're listening to the uh, SAFM Literature right here on uh, SAFM, and we're coming to you live from the National Arts Festival, in case you didn't know, but here we are in our little, uh, in our little caravan here from the, from the uh, monument, actually, from which there is the most spectacular view. There was all sorts of exciting things happening here yesterday. Anthea Moyes, who you may have heard about, was doing all sorts of crazy things, reenacting battles between the, the English and the Scots, and all very exciting it was, too. Anyway, it's a, it's a little bit more peaceful today. Nonetheless, we have ourselves two more guests, and uh, very, very pleased, I think this is going to be a very interesting conversation. It's, it's titled briefly, is Language and Identity. But let me introduce you to my guests. We're going to be talking to Sipiwe Mahala. He's an award-winning writer. He's also Deputy Director of Books and Publishing at the Department of Arts and Culture. Hi, Sipiwe. Hi, hi. Nice. That. Are your eyes nicely open? I hope so. <laughs> they look very, very beautiful, so that's the good news. And uh, to Russell Kashula. Hi, Russell. Nice to have you with us. Head of the School of Languages and Chairperson of the Rhodes University Language Committee, who has just slipped me a copy of Displaced, which is what the two of them are going to be discussing. Russell H. Kashula has put together this book, which is, I think, is a collection of stories. Am I right, Russell? Y- yes, Nancy. And um, it's a collection of 12 stories, and that's what we did this morning. We launched um, with Sapiwa's book and my book together. Okay. Are you going to be talking again, the two of you? Um, I don't Can I think punch your next gig? So is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, we. I'm done. I'm not sure about yourself. Then I think I'm also done. Okay. Well, hopefully you're not done because we want to hear lots from you right now, here and now. Going to be uh, broadcasting it to the nation. Okay. Um, Spiro, I'm going to start with you. Your book is what? Um, oh, you haven't slipped me a copy. Yes, you have. Yes, there it is. African Delights. Lovely. Okay. Yeah, uh, actually, that, that's my second book. My first book, When a Man Cries, which, was, um, which is a novel in English, um, I translated into Isikosa as Yakarin Doda. Okay. Yeah, so um, I write in both languages proficiently. Okay. Yeah. And African Delights, I believe it's a, it's a unique literary journey through some critical moments in Southern, South Africa's history. How did you manage to choose just a few? There have been so many exciting moments. Uh, well, um, it has to do a lot with my literary influences. Um, you know, in that paper collection, for instance, I begin uh, in Sophia Town of the 50s. And um, fast forward to the 80s, which is uh, the Grandstown that I know, um, uh, the place that I, I grew up in as a child. And, um, you know, that's where I, I explore racial dynamics. Um, there's a whole chapter there entitled White Encounters where um, I try to retrace uh, consciousness of race from the point of view of a child and of course reflecting on my own upbringing so it's very much personal it was mostly personal experiences well thinking back (laughs) in the 50s maybe not so much (laughs) (laughs) well um Let's just say my my, my writing is a reflection of aspects of me, so uh, what I write about are my preoccupations, uh, and therefore it's personal to that extent. And uh, that particular chapter, yes, I had to rely mostly to my uh, childhood experiences uh, growing up in Grimstown. Okay. Let's come back to your influences, your your literary influences, if you like, in just a minute. Russell, what about your book? It's, It's... Twelve stories? Yes, Nancy, it's twelve stories, and um, like Sapiwa's book, it starts in 1857 um, with the arrival of the Vendish Sorbs in the Eastern Cape at the same time of the Kosa cattle killing with Nongawse, which was was taking place. So the story really traces one's displacement from the early days through apartheid up to 2013. And... um, 
And I was also struck, you know, both Sipiwa's book and my book have got a lot of commonalities which are quite interesting in terms of identity because, um, you know, Sipiwa grew up in Jaza. You know, I was a student at, at in Privileged Roads uh, University residences in the 80s. And um, there's two stories particularly that I'm thinking of, uh, Bonzi's Toe in African Delight and NY 47th Street in um, Displaced which have very similar endings. And of course the white encounters and um, the stories uh, that, that Sipi was spoken about and then the early stories in my book um, also speak to um, you know, interactions between different peoples and playing with different languages. And of course, children not actually seeing the racism and the apartheid for what it was, you know, and um, responding only uh, in certain ways, whereas adults had very perceived uh, as, as strong ideas as to what children should or shouldn't be doing. And I think in White Encounters, it's a really tragic story for me when two boys play together and the story ends in the way that it does. Um, in the same way, in Two Teas, Please, in Displaced, I think there's, there's, a, there's a rather horrific um, incidents that takes place there with a, with a policeman who interferes in this childhood um, utopia, in a sense. So the stories really do have a lot of commonalities, I think, in terms of identity development. But, uh, yeah, I think it's to try and sort of um, trace the, what you could call a sort of certain atrophy or in the, in, the, in the South African psyche, you know, whether it was under apartheid, whether it be today. I mean, I think of Sipiwa's stories which speak to uh, entrepreneurs and tenderpreneurs and so on, and there's a certain atrophy even today, um, our obsession with race instead of with identity and, and celebrating our identities is to me a great travesty of justice and yeah. not mm. what... The country should uh, our, our common humanity. Thanks for the yeah. radio, Russell. Yes, interesting to talk about the commonalities, but one's got to look at the differences. Until the differences have been put on the table and addressed, we're never going to move forward, and mm. I think one can't ignore those things. We're going to talk some more about this. We're talking to Russell Kashula. He is uh, he's the author of a book called Displaced, and we're also talking to Sipiwa Mahale, and his book is called African Delights. Going to be getting a little bit more input on their, on their commonalities and the differences. So stay with us. You're listening to SAFM Literature. Mahala A time is back, bigger and better. Hello, caller. So, I heard that Jane is going to be made of honor at Andrew's wedding. What? <laughs> I also heard that I can get 50% free airtime every time I recharge with MTN. It's impossible, right? I don't know about Angie and Jane, but the 50% Mahala airtime is no rumor. Recharge and get 50% Mahala airtime every day at any time to make free MTN to MTN calls. Send SMSs and use the internet. Believe it. Now that's bigger and better Mahala for you. Conditions apply. Minimum recharge value is 10 Rand. Every weekend, SAFM brings you the people at the center of the stories. We give you a clear perspective on national and international events. Find out how on Weekend AM Live from 6 every Saturday and Sunday morning. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. You never know who will be the next to inspire a whole nation, the ones who will grow up and do great things. Unite an entire country, believe that anything is possible. You never know who the next Madiba will be. With your support, the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital would honour Nelson Mandela's wish to make world-class healthcare available to children in all children in Africa, irrespective of their social or economic status. 
Visit www.nelsonmandelachildrenshospital.org for more information. SMS SABC GIFT to 40301. SMS costs 20 rand. Free MSs do not apply. Terms, conditions and network administration costs apply. Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital, a family dedicated to care. This is SAFM. And this is SFM Literature coming to you live from the National Arts Festa here, a festival here in Grahamstown, talking to two authors, two men of words, two men of letters, as it were, and they're talking about language and identity. Sipiwa Mahala, he's written a book called African Delights, and uh, Russell Kashula, whose book is called Displaced. Um, language and identity, let's find out a little bit more about you guys. You, you, you've talked about the commonalities, Russell, there, but let's talk about the differences. Sipiwa, tell, tell me a little bit about your background. This is, this is your place of birth. Yeah, that's correct. Um, I was born here in Kremstown, grew up here, and um, I studied Isikosa at university. And um, it was much later uh, when I was doing creative writing at, four, at, at Rose. Um, actually, my, my my instructor was Rob Rod, who just passed. Okay, who's going to be joining <laughs> yeah, us in just a minute. Yeah. Yes, um, so for the first time, I started writing in English. Mm. and uh, But... You know, writing in English, still, the Kosa idiom is very strong in my writing. So, um, due to the struggle of, of, of getting published in, 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 in uh, Is It Kosa, my very first published text, When a Man Cries, came out in English. Uh, and then three years later, I was able to translate it into, into Is It Kosa as a, as a calendar. Okay. Yeah. Did you choose to write in English? Uh, I was talking to Anki Croc a little while ago, and she was t- talking about one of her poems that... She wrote in Africa. It was a praise poem. In fact, she wrote it in Afrikaans. It was treated, tra- translated into Isikosa and then translated back into English. And there were a lot of translations going back and forth. Mm-hmm. When you write in Isikosa or or in English, does it feel very different? Yeah, absolutely. Because most of the time, when I write in English, I translate the Kosa thought. Mm. You know. Um, so yeah. Um, I, I was reading. I, I I gave myself time to revisit the the text. And uh, reading the Kosa text now, it, it comes more natural, I think. But also, in terms of the English language, I feel that, you know, um, I, I sort of come something... It, it gives a unique feel to, to, to my writing, the narrative itself. You can, you can feel that, you know, that there's, I've infused uh, uh, Kosa idioms in, in thought processes mm. there. Yeah. Who were your writing influences? I mean, one of the chapters in the book is... Uh, is descri- I mean, uh, Ken Temba, I think it's a tribute to Ken Temba, is that great. right? Uh, who yeah. Louis, Louis Mkosi described as the supreme intellectual Totsi of them all. Who were your, when you started to write, who were your influences? Well, um, I, I'm a student of Afghan literature, first of all, and obviously being a Kosa speaker, um, the, the, the first writings that I read was Kosa, uh, Peter Mtuze, Nile Saule, and others. And then I sort of graduated to uh, the Chino Achebes of this world. Uh, but the, I think um, the single most uh, uh, influential writer to me uh, is probably Njavlonde Bele. Yes, I know, because I've, I've, I've written a lot on Ken Temba, People might think uh, Ken Temba is the major influence, but I think when I read my work, I, I, I get that feeling that I think um, I, I, I hear a lot of Ndawlo Ndebele in it. I think, I think probably the next question is, who are you going to be influencing? Because, I mean, there's a whole generation coming up behind you, but hold that thought, but, but have a think <laughs> about it. Russell, what about you? How did you come into language? How did you come into to writing? What were your early 
yeah. influences. Um, Nancy, similar to um, Spiwa, really, I grew up in a Xhosa-speaking community, um, and I spoke Xhosa. In fact, I probably spoke mostly Xhosa until the age of six, and then my parents were also fluent in Xhosa, so they would answer me in English. And then I went to an Afrikaans medium school, and um, and when I was twelve, I was put into an English medium school, and that's when I wrote my first poem. Um, which was published and yeah I've always kind of infused the two languages as Sipiwa says um, and I think our identities are enmeshed in our languages that we speak anyway so um, I mean you know I have written one novel in Isikosa M. Tonjeni which was um, translated into English as Take Me to the River and mostly my the kind of writing I do is code mixed kind of writing where you move between different identities and I find that very exciting to juxtapose um, identities at one point to infuse them at another point and to even come up with um, something that could be future identities if mm -hmm. you like in, in one's writing so I really think the multilingual aspect gives one great strength as a writer and um, I think we should be tapping into that more and encouraging more multilingual writing I know there's, there's, there's those voices that say, you know, we interfere with standard uh, language and so on, but, but my feeling is that um, being exposed to a number of different languages has great, greatly strengthened my writing, and um, yeah, I think um, speaking Isikosa and um, English and Afrikaans and so on has, has, has really been a strength for me, and uh, yeah, and I think has created a different kind of identity. I wouldn't be the person that I am today yeah, if I didn't speak uh, those languages. I was going to say, has it strengthened your own identity or has it caused a sort of um, a confusion? You know, who am I in this country? I guess we all say, mm. who am I? How am I relevant? What am I saying? What am I doing? Yeah. You've to got go a lot of things going on there in your pen. Yeah, you know, to go back to the notion of one's eyes being open, I think languages do just that. They open one's eyes to different types of people and different types of cultures and they, I think, make one uh, less arrogant, if I can put it bluntly, and, and create a much more humble citizen, which I think contributes to a, as a better citizen in a country like South Africa. Um, I mean, I've often felt sort of linguistically, how shall I put it, schizophrenic in certain instances when, as a South African, you know, people are shocked that because you, if I can put it this way, because you, you're a, a white person that you can speak an African language and to me, it's, it's just a great shame that we're not all multilingual citizens and in that way we diffuse the race issue completely because, you know, Neville Alexander, I think, has pointed this out on many occasions that we must celebrate diversity to the exclusion of race. Um, and I don't feel like we're doing that very successfully mm. right now. So hopefully both was writing and my writing, I think, speak to those sorts of issues. Yeah. But what am I? I think I'm a, a fruit salad of different languages <laughs> and identities if you like yes absolutely interesting to that you say you know people are often shocked that you speak Isikosa um, nobody is at all shocked that you speak English I mean you know isn't this ironic so it's assumed in fact it, you're dismissed if you don't um, do, you, do you sometimes feel that this is just not quite fair uh, well um, I, I think um, we, we, we must begin to embrace each other's languages mm. you know um, to, to find someone like, like Russell, uh, it is rare, you know, um, with even, if you think of Lance Klusner, for instance, he could string together a few words of, of, of Zulu, mm -hmm. and his name became Zulu. Mm -hmm. I think 
you know, when it is something common, we won't, it won't be a shock, you know, um, he'll be just one of many, and mm -hmm. by, by embracing a language, we're embracing the people, mm -hmm. and I think it would be, make a significant contribution into making us uh, a, a one nation. Yeah. You're both very conscious of, of words and writing and the impact that they do and don't have both the spoken word and the written word, but you know, you must be very, very conscious of the fact that you will be influencing a lot of people coming up behind you in your position as a published author in your position at the Department of uh, Arts and Culture. Are you, does that get in your way when you're writing? Do you think, mm, what are they going to think, or do you just let it happen to please yourself? Uh, not really. I, when I write, I, I try to write, you know, um, the kind of material that I would enjoy. And, um, you know, when I'm content with what I've written, most of the time, um, the, the reception is, is positive. So I, I never really think about the audience and all that. Um, of course, there, there are many people who have come to me and said, you know, I've I've never read, since, since high school, I've never read and finished a novel until I, I read your mm. book. To me, that, that is the greatest satisfaction. Yes, yes, no, I mean, I mean what do you mean you're not, you don't mind what people think? I mean, isn't your first poem, what did you think of it? Don't, aren't you longing to know what people feel about your book? Um, well, I, I'm always curious to know, um, mm. but during the process of writing, this is what I'm trying to say, this is, during the process of writing, I don't imagine the audience, you know, um, I imagine myself as the audience because most of the time my writing comes out of my reading and usually out of reading I would realize that there's this kind of story that I would like to read and most of the time that story is still within me. Yeah, yeah, mm. it seems like you've got a whole lot more too where that one came from. Russell, I think that you are, it, certainly in some of your writing, you are very keen to be conscious of, of who you're writing for because you've written quite a lot of uh, novels for young people mm -hmm. so you're quite conscious of that in doing that are you writing because you, you want to open their minds in a certain way what are you trying to say to them to mm -hmm. our next generation of uh, potential readers and writers yeah. um, this is my first sort of adult fiction so mm -hmm. it's been a completely different experience to what I've written previously Nancy and um, I think r writing for young people there's a, there's a huge responsibility on, on a writer um, and one is conscious of things that you see and hear you know from xenophobia to um, you know intersexed people or racism or whatever ism you, you know one is aware of and I think that feeds into that kind of writing. I'm very aware of uh, people around me and um, it's not so much perhaps how much you've read, it's rather what you're perceiving and what you're seeing um, with young people um, and among young people. So, um, you know, one tries to respond to that in, in, in a way which is responsible um, as well as provocative at the same time. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's key because if, if one is too didactic in writing for young people, I think the message gets lost. Um, and it's, it's, it's um, for me very exciting to write for young people. But with this particular book, I think it's just more being a writing from the heart and responding to what I see people doing and, and what I hear, you know it's amazing what you can hear when you in closed uh, places like if you're sitting at a dinner table with a group of people who are all monolingual, they say things they would not necessarily say when they're sitting at a multicultural table mm -hmm. and they expect one to you know, to be supportive of these points of view I mean it's, 
one needs to interrogate this through literature and creative writing and those make those spaces somewhat uncomfortable for us. Um, and I think that's, that's been really exciting for me in writing for... Um, in writing this adult fiction. Yes, what you say is you only get one crack at saying what you say because once you said it, it's out there. But yeah. when you're writing, you can edit and change it and do all sorts of things. And this is slightly off the topic, but I couldn't resist this, um, Russell, because you've also been, you've, you're quite criti- critical of, what, of how cell phones have impacted. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not going to go too far down this mm. avenue, but the thing about cell phone writing and the way we speak is that we're speaking in a very much more clipped style and, mm. and in your view it's doing lots of damage probably to the English language but certainly to Isikosa. Mm. No, it is something that has been very interesting for me. I've noticed my students, you know, being what I would consider extremely rude when using cell phones, you know, and, and, and sending you please call me's and um, you know phone me back on tonight time, you know, whatever, you know, these kinds of things. And and this is not the way we normally speak in Isikosa, especially not to people who are older than you. And even among themselves, you know, I think cell phones have have really dented the rules of politeness um, in all languages, but particularly in Isikosa because I think it's such a measured, dignified um, language. And cell phones have really, I think, changed the dynamic. I hope I'm not, you know, that's been my observation and the research I've done has proven that in a way. Mm. What do you think, Sipuor? Because... I mean, Isikosa is a very, it's a very strong traditional language, which, like all other languages uh, all around the world, it is getting um, bastardized, if you like. Are you concerned about that? Well, my, my concern over the cell phones is, is, is text messaging, mm. you know, uh, how we try to use shorthand, and uh, as a result, you know, if you're writing goodnight, just NYT, <laughs> you know, and you find that even, you know, in my official capacity I would receive email written in this fashion and you know they, they can't help themselves you know they are used to writing that way I believe cell phones can be used positively um, they are institutions like your phones are um, the Shadowhead Foundation that introduce novels you know by, by mixing yes. or mm-hmm. such things yes, no, 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 and I think we can use you can use cell phones to, to promote a culture of reading and writing mm-hmm. yeah but mm-hmm. leaving aside the cell phone issue which is a story for another day <laughs> leaving us are you concerned about the way your language your mother tongue is is changing because in some ways we're talking about language and identity and in some ways a lot of young people have adopted a new way of speaking which is very now it's very um, you know, it's a sort of, it's the vernacular, and that is their identity. What's your take? Well, uh, what you cannot help is the evolution of language. <coughs> uh, l- l- language is not static like in any other aspect of culture. Um, but yeah, you know, at certain levels, there is what you call bastardization of language. Um, sometimes I, I, I freelance for, for publishers where I'd be given coarser text to edit, and when you read the text, you can't tell whether this person is speaking Isikosa or Sizu, but they speak something in between. So that is my concern, but it's in terms conscious of the fact that language is not static. Mm. And, and the stories that go with language, do you think that there is a danger that they could be dying out? Do we need to sort of address them? Maybe that's exactly what you've done in African Delights, is, is bring back old stories in a new way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I you know, we have all kinds of, langu- of challenges with language. We have instruments to promote language, but unfortunately we're not uh, exploiting those, those to the fullest. So um, I think a lot more needs to be done, I mean, at an individual level, uh, to, to preserve language.
I, I can't help feeling the two of you together are sort of, a, if you'll forgive the expression, a marriage made in heaven, linguistically speaking, because you're coming from different places, but you're on a similar path. Mm. Is there a chance that one day you might write something together? I mean, it's no coincidence that we're talking to you both now, is it? Can you see a sort of uh, collaboration coming That's up? not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I might as well propose here. No? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just wonderful to be sitting next to such a great writer as well. I must say I would welcome any uh, pearls of wisdom that I could, as an emerging yeah. writer for adults, would gain from Sipiwa. And, and I guess simply because of where we're sitting right now at the National Arts Festival with the Word Fest, the Think Fest, mm. there's so much thought and, and activity going on. I suppose the danger of you academics, if I can say, is, is sort of sitting by yourselves. Is it very important to keep mm. sharing, discussing yeah, actually, uh, Russell, there are so many people who came out of his hands. Uh, it, it's amazing. This morning, we met so many people who say, you know, uh, I'm, I'm here now thanks to Professor K- uh, uh, Kashula. Mm. 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 And who influenced you then? Well, I must be honest, like Sapir, in 1989, I think it is, I worked with Professor Peter Mtuze, and he was a great inspiration to me in terms of creative writing, and he, in that year, wrote a, uh, a book called which was a really great piece of writing, and, and that just, and he was also the supervisor of my PhD, so, um, you know, in Isikosa Izibongo, so, you know, he was a great influence on me, and yeah, I see him as a father figure. Um, and then after that, people like Etienne Panierd and Andre Brunk, you know, Nadine Gordimer and so on. Yeah. In my next life, I want to come back speaking. Is it just like you? That's really, really <laughs> impressive. It's been fascinating. Thank you so much, Russell Kashula. Mahala, and I hope that you do collaborate on a book. I think it would be really, really worthwhile. Russell's book is called Displaced, and uh, Sipiwa's book is called African Delights, published by Dikana and published by Unisa Press is Displaced. Lovely. Thanks so much, guys. Enjoy yes, the rest of the you. festival. Thank you very much. You're listening to SFM Literature right here on SFM right now. It's uh, 2 o'clock. Time for the news with Sam Marshall.